Marvelites, welcome to Marvel's The Pull List for August 15th, 2018. I'm Ryan, aka Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Uh, you all right? You're just touching your eyes. You cry- Are you crying? I am just so emotional and so happy to be here with ye. How are you? I'm good, and this is going to be a happening. Oh, boy. Shout out to uh, one of our awesome listeners, not your status queue, who's on the Twitter. We were having a little talk about it because this coming week is SummerSlam and Gorilla Monsoon, which is one, one of the greatest character names in all of fiction. Insanely cool. He's just this big old school wrestler. Gorilla Monsoon was the lead commentator for a couple of them. He said within the first 10 minutes of like, I think it was SummerSlam 88, that this is a happening in one way or another. (laughs) This is going to be a happening. This is a happening. What a happening. And this episode is a happening. Yeah, it is. Can I just say some some deadly stuff is a happening Mm -hmm. this week. Whoa. We, yeah, we've got a bunch of issues, and yeah, some heavy stuff goes down this week. Let's let's just dive right into things. First up is Astonishing X Men Annual Number One. It's a it's an interesting thing. The like the annual as a comic book release mm-hmm. is is a cool deal. I remember when I was a kid, they were you know jam packed with all kinds of crazy stuff, and I was doing research, and the first annual that Marvel produced surprised the heck out of me. I'm not going to spoil it here, and Mm. we'll talk about it on This Week in Marvel. But Mm. now we've got two of them. The first this week is Astonishing X-Men and is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Travel Foreman, colors by Jim Charalampidis, and letters by Clayton Cowles. It is so good to see Matt and Travel working together again. Yeah. M&T. M&T. The just tag team you always want to see. They are so good. They did Tales of Suspense, yeah. which was tremendous. Mm-hmm. And having them back makes me so happy. I want them working together forever. Uh, you know, we always talk about Matt's gift for dialogue and banter and just realistic, fun, quippy, mm-hmm. you know, talky-talky bits. And But Travel is really such a great artist to complement that. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, this book screams that. We're yeah. like – there are these moments of comedy. There are these like dramatic moments. They really like speak with the same voice in 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 like via their different mediums. It is so perfect. His the way he draws facial expressions mm-hmm. and literally everything with Bobby, uh, yeah. Bobby Drake, Iceman. His sense of style and his fashion choices mm-hmm. uh, like elevate everything. Warren is wearing an oh yeah shirt. It's like I love it. <laughs> I wa- it, it's so good. But this story is really neat. It's steeped in X-Men history. Uh, You've got the OG X-People, those of them who are alive, Mm -hmm. Gene, Bobby, Warren, and Hank. And then you have this big bad that is like goes way back in X-Men lore, uh, which is really neat. And it connects to the like first 12 issues of the current Astonishing X-Men run, which was I thought I, I thought this was a neat bridge. Because we got 1 through 12 that was written by Charles Soule, a lot of other artists, and then now 13 starts Matt's run. This, you can almost look at it as like a bridge. Like, what's going on with X? The man known as X, who is formerly Professor X, Xavier. And I like that he is just such an a-hole. Yeah. He's just the worst. (laughs) Yeah, he's like the young version of Charles, but... Kind of like everything that like the Charles Xavier we know and love is just like humble and giving and forgiving. He's just like, just like pompous and like he just has like all the powers and abilities of Charles just like turned in the most negative of ways. It's so funny. And like the ending for me, now I want to know what you thought, Tucker. The ending to me 
read as very dark. Yeah. Because I read it uh, in a certain way, mm-hmm. whereas I think you could also read it as sort of like, ah, that's great. Right. You know, that's nice. Yeah. You know, they move forward, blah, blah, blah. But I read it as, oh, I see what he did. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that was terrific. Yeah, I, I, I definitely read it the same way as like, as annuals go, it is a kind of open and close story in certain ways in and of itself. Obviously, it ties into a ton of other things, but just I love the way that literally and figuratively we close the book on this story here. It's it's really cool. It's really, really cool. It was nearly one of my picks, but yeah, so yeah. good. I also love the way Matt writes Hank McCoy. I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's His so tank good. Is, is good. Uh, next up this week is another annual. We have Cable and Deadpool annual number one. This is written by David F. Walker. And okay, get ready. Here's the art team on this. <laughs> it is a crazy group of incredibly talented artists. We have Paco Diaz, Danilo S. Bayruth, Nick Bradshaw, Luke Ross, Marco Rudy, Edgar Salazar, Flaviano, Francesco Mana, and Leonard Kirk. With colors by Chris Sotomayor, Jason Keith, and Marco Rudy. Letters all the way through by Joe Sabino. That art team works so well because, naturally, it's a cable book. We're jumping through time and we're jumping through different places and spaces. Um, It's really cool to see David Off Walker do a Deadpool story, do a cable story, because it feels very different to what I know him as writing. He did a a great run on Luke Cage, but it was really, really fun to see him, I feel like, do a a complete tonal shift with this book. And when he breaks the fourth wall as Deadpool, it feels like him channeling himself through Deadpool in some ways, which I think is, a you know, I I don't want to see that done all the time, but Mm -hmm. I think when it's done and done well, like here, it's really fun. Yeah, it's kind of funny in a book with so many artists and so many different artistic styles throughout because like as with any comic you're having a kind of dual experience where you're reading the narrative you're invested in the story and then there's the other part of it where you're appreciating the art you're appreciating the writing you're just seeing how they're they're executing this this is that times eight or whatever yeah because as you're just flipping through, you're getting these different styles and these different flavors, these different Flaviano flavors um, <laughs> uh, all the way through. And it makes it so much fun to read uh, and so much fun to to go through because, I mean, I'm looking at some stuff that as yeah, Marco Deadpool, Rudy page on the right. Incredible. Uh, just he's so oh, uh, he's so good. But like there's the three pages by Nick Bradshaw and mm-hmm. Jason Keith that are absolutely bonkers. Yeah. The level of detail that Nick puts into those pages. And that's part of what is great about an annual because it's not trying to fit into the, you know, oh, we got to get a book out every two weeks or every three weeks or every month. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have an artist who is incredibly detailed like Nick Bradshaw come in for three pages and not have like the craziest deadline crunch because he's doing a limited number of pages and for something that you know, he probably has more lead time to do. Uh, and then he just blows it out of the water. Yeah. The, like the mechanical squid, the ship, the little details of all the the the, the pirates there mm-hmm. uh, is one of my favorite sequences this week. Uh, next book is another Deadpool one. It is Deadpool Assassin number five, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell and J.P. Meyer, colors Edgar Delgado, Dono Sanchez Amada, and letters by Joe Sabino. This book is vicious. It is... <laughs> Just violent and wild. One dude gets a sword through the head coming out of his mouth while he's in mid-sentence. It is just gnarly. It's Deadpool versus all the assassins. Plus, Colin, he he does a good job. He delivers, like, good emotional beats. Especially, there's this neat twist by the end that I loved. Uh, Gotta also love Mark Bagley, who fits dozens of characters into pages and keeps the action and the storytelling so clear, Mm -hmm. which is so... 
it can be so difficult when you have so much packed in. Yeah. But there's just literally dozens of characters on some pages. Yeah. It, it's funny you mention it that way because that is in my notes as well. It's like you can just tell that Mark Bagley is a master of the form because he has so much to do and so much ground to cover in this. But he does it – you can just feel it with, an, with just a command uh, and an elegance all the way throughout and uh, never misses a beat. So good. Next up is Doctor Strange number four. And it's written by Mark Wade with art by Jesus Saiz, letters by Joe Sabino. And I've said it before, this uh, Mark Wade's run so far on Doctor Strange really kind of has great vibe of Doctor Who for me because it is this spacefaring adventure. It is kind of breathless in a really, really fun way. And the Doctor has teamed up with a, a great companion, Kana, who is this really, really interesting kind of a uh, little bit enigmatic character we're getting to know better and better through each story. And I really enjoyed this issue for kind of a specific reason. I feel like throughout the first three issues of this uh, of this run, it's been kind of all about running um, so far. I feel like he's just been uh, kind of thrown out into the universe and has kind of been put into circumstances that he wasn't ready for. And he's been trying to get away and trying to get a hold on this the situation ever since. And as I was reading it, okay, there is a moment in this book where that reminded me, everybody bear with me, of Return of the Jedi, okay? <laughs> of course, we're going to <laughs> yep. talk about Star Wars. Because at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, basically... Up until uh, the Sarlacc pit, like our heroes have been losing for like a movie and a half, pretty much. And uh, then there's a musical cue by John Williams that is called The Return of the Jedi. And it's when Luke jumps off of the fun diving board and does his move after he salutes R2. He jumps up, grabs his saber, and and it's like, oh, finally we're back. Our heroes are winning. There's a moment like that in this story where it's like, aha, like he finally has a control of the situation. Stephen Strange is finally back. There's a great splash page where he's like in full force. He's the Sorcerer Supreme again. And you're like, yes. And it's a momentary victory and like moment of control, but it felt so good because it it felt like this series has been kind of leading and begging for that moment for this entire issue. And it it felt so good. Totally see what you, exactly what you mean. It makes a lot of sense. Side note about Return of the Jedi, I think maybe my favorite moment in all the Star Wars movies is in that sequence on the the skiffs uh, where Boba Fett shows up and Han goes, Boba Boba Fett, Boba Boba Fett. Fett. (laughs) The way he says it, I like, I melt into like a childish puddle of happiness every time to this day. We were, my wife and I were rewatching it recently and I made us rewind it just so I could hear him say it again. Yeah. So good. All right. Next up is Edge of Spider-Geddon number one. I was so excited. I'm so excited for this. I loved Spider-Verse so much. And so these Edge of Spider-Geddon stories are one-offs of like getting the crew together. You Mm -hmm. know, you get a a slice of a character in their environment, their own world, and then they get recruited. The first issue features Spider-Punk as he's become affectionately known. And it is written by Jed McKay, pencils and inks by Gerardo Sandoval, colors by Brian Reber, letters by Corey Petit. So this issue focuses on Spider-Punk. He is from Earth-138. Now, 
It is the punkest Earth, as we see in this issue, but there is a Misfit song called We Are 138, and I believe this is probably a tip of the hat to the Misfits. Hobie also, Hobie Brown is Spider-Man in this universe. Hobie carries a bat that says Beat on the Brat, which is the name of a Ramon song. Wow. Uh, so this is a very punk little story, which I like. Nice little touches. I'm sure there's more that I didn't even pick up on because uh, I'm not as punk as I would love to be. Uh, I've sold out to the man long ago. Um, but yeah, I love this universe. It's really neat. There's negative zone creatures worshiping the wipeout and thus love surf music. Uh, Kang being this capitalist, yeah. time traveling, you know, corporate overlord monster. So good. Uh, and then just these little dips into alternate realities make me so happy. And Gerardo Sandoval, man, what a Hulk. Just like yeah. we get to the Hulk moments in here, he draws them so big and intense. That is what he's born to draw, those big moments, those big characters. <clears throat> and it feels so good. Okay, brace yourselves, everyone. We have, next up, Extermination number one. And this is Jamie's pick of the week. It's written by Ed Brisson with art by the perfect Pepe Larraz. Colors by Marte Gracia and letters by Joe Sabino. This is a very tough book to talk about without getting the spoiler Yeah, territory. seriously. I'm just going to say that very upfront. Yes. It's really interesting how this, this story begins. This is part one of five. And uh, there's some kind of quiet, interesting moments that we start out with, some cool intros. And then things just go so wrong, yeah. <laughs> so fast. If you've been reading X-Men Gold, you know that right. Rachel... Uh, prestige or whatever you want to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever name you, you associate with her, Rachel Gray, Rachel Summers, she has been dealing with some stuff in the pages of X-Men Gold and the hound tattoos, those lines on her face have come back over recent months. That ties into this because the big bad, and at least one of them, is Ahab. Mm-hmm. Now, Ahab is horrible. He first appeared in a crossover event, four-part story that happened just so funnily enough, in four different annuals hmm. uh, back in 1990. It was called Days of Future Present. So right. Rachel first appeared in Days of Future Past. This was 15-ish years later. They did Days of Future Present, sort of taking that timeline and expanding upon it and really doing some more. And they brought in Ahab, Ahab being he was the leader of this like group that hunted down mutants, essentially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he would take mutants and twist them and turn them into his hounds. And right. that was Rachel was one of his hounds. And right. She would go out and hunt down other mutants and that had haunted her. It still haunts her yeah. to this day. So it's such, it's a cool place to go emotionally for one of the main X characters. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was definitely getting Days of Future Past vibes from this in a really big way. But uh, this was a theme that I felt like was going throughout a, a bunch of books this week. It was a brutal week and um this is another one that is not a fake out uh name at least not right now this extermination is the real deal and uh things are off to a big start i'll, I'll put it that way indeed <laughs> next up is hunt for the wolverine claws of a killer number four this is the end of this limited series written by mariko tamaki pencils by butch geis and mac chatter Inks by Cam Smith and Mac Chatter and colors by Jordan Boyd with letters by Joe Sabino. I love seeing characters go out in a blaze of glory. You know, like 
death staring them in the face and there's no way out. They are ready to just spit in the faces of their enemies Mm -hmm. while they go. And Mariko writes that scene for some characters here and it is terrific. It's really good. There's bickering, there's anger. And then one of them mentions how their dead son was used against them. And you see the other one like close their eyes and accept it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they did that? Screw these guys. Let's let's do this. Mm -hmm. Such a neat emotional moment where two characters who are kind of at each other's throats all the time connect and they are ready to do what they got to do. This is an emotional and darkly funny book. Yeah. Uh, And it does tie into the final part of the hunt for Wolverine. So when we get to dead ends, there's little bits and pieces from this that'll be part of that. Yeah, totally. Next up is a big one. It is Infinity Wars number two. One of my picks of the week. Oh, yeah. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by Corey Petit. I want to, before you dive into it, give a special shout out to Mike Diodato Jr. and Frank Martin on this cover. I think it is so cool and just like clean and nice, really awesome, and uh, more brutality. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. This is a tour de force from Jerry and and Mike and Frank and everybody, but Jerry just going to town. Yeah. Uh, he has Turk describe Doctor Strange as Freddie Mercury and his wiggly fingers. It is hands down my favorite line this week. Also, probably my favorite description of Doctor Strange I've yeah. ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good. It's probably my favorite issue of all these Infinity books we've done so far. This mm-hmm. is the one now I'm like, oh, oh good. Mm-hmm. Full of crazy twists. I mean, tons of twists in this. There's one with Thanos. There's stuff with Gamora and that Captain Marvel fight. I was reading it and it was just like, oh no, it was mm-hmm. really good. Man, Diodato and Frank Martin, just, my gosh. Mm-hmm. There's a splash of all the Avengers and some of the like former Guardians of the Galaxy members. They're assembled together in this badass moment. And it's like poster worthy. And it's just the middle, it's a splash in the middle of the book. Mm-hmm. It really shows you like the power and intensity of these characters when drawn by someone who just is at the top of their game. And for those who are following along, we know the Infinity Warps are on the way. But here in this issue, we might see how they may come together in just a disgusting way. I actually went, ew, yeah. reading this. There's something that happened. I was like, this is disgusting. What is, oh, gross. It was great. If you are not... On the Infinity Wars train yet, you should totally be because this is dynamite Mm -hmm. comics. Next up is a brand new Marvel Digital Original. It's Luke Cage number one. It's written by Anthony Del Cole with art by Janoi Lindsay and Ian Herring on colors. Del Cole does a book called Kill Shakespeare, among other projects. And this is his first thing with Marvel, so it's really neat. It's so damn humid and hot here in, in IRL. Yeah. New York City. And then this story is set in gross, hot and humid summer in like Harlem. Like all the people in the story are struggling with the heat. It's too real. Yeah. Uh, there's two FBI agents introduced into the second part of this. Because when you buy this this issue on uh, digitally, it's double sized. You get a lot of comics right away. But the two FBI agents are great. There's one who loses his mind while meeting Luke Cage because he's just like so excited. Really, really fun. There's also a neat thing sort of thinking about how do you put someone like Luke Cage in danger when he can't be hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's got bulletproof skin. Well, what if it's on the inside? And so there's this exploration of CTE within the Marvel Universe. There's even huh. a Q&A with a doctor explaining more about what CTE is and, and stuff like that, which I thought was really, really neat. Yeah. 
Also, there's a really cool couple of things that the digital comics team here at Marvel HQ put together. There's a couple of reading lists that you can check out on Marvel.com. Anthony Del Cole and Janoy both uh, put together a bunch of their favorite comics of all time. Uh, yeah, you can find those in the Marvel Unlimited app or on Marvel.com. And Tucker will put that in the uh, the news story and in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Up next is Multiple Man number three. This book is bananas. It is like... <laughs> Wild. No character is safe from page to page. It's written by our boy Matthew Rosenberg, art by Andy McDonald, colors by Tom Rabon Villain, and letters by Travis Lanham. There's death and blood and destruction from page to page. Matt's snappy dialogue gets pushed to the max here. Uh, since it's a lot of Madrox talking to Madrox, it's just circular, weird, and funny who's on first style conversations. Uh, there's a trophy room we see at the end that is full of grisly Easter eggs. It actually reminds me of the Maestro's trophy room that was in the Incredible Hulk Future Imperfect storyline. And Andy McDonald does such a great job of like getting really detailed in some of those things the way George Perez did back in the day. It, it's a great book. Weird. Great book. Yeah. Uh, next up is my pick of the week. It is Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man Number 308, oh, we man. are coming to a crescendo here with Chip Zdarsky's run on PPTSSM. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like that uh, Adult Swim show, uh, NTSD, yeah, yeah, yeah. the one yep. with Paul Shear <laughs> yeah, in them. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is uh, written by, of course, Chip, with pencils and colors by Chris Bashalo and inks by Townsend Vey, Foucher, Live Say, and Bashalo and letters by Travis Lanham. Uh 308 will be uh, this creative team, obviously. 309 is the same. And then 310, which is going to be Chip's last issue on the book. What? That's right. How did you... I'm sad to see him go. This has been one of my favorite books. But 310 is going to be a, a great farewell because Chip is both writing and drawing that one. That's going to be super, super fun. I love this book so much because it's just really uniquely told. There is some really, really wonderful kind of allusions to the past and to the history between these two characters in such a great way. Uh, and we see these two characters that have been enemies for so long, that have been at odds for so long, and to this day are nominally still foes. But this is a story about compassion and connection in like between two of the most unlikely parties and it really speaks to the power of chip's writing ability because we know how hilarious he is we know how great he is and and this is certainly in an area that we've seen him touch on uh, a lot before especially with marvel 2 and 1 i'm thinking of but to have an entire issue that's really dedicated to such a specific tone and this connection between these two characters because something is going uh very wrong for the sandman and peter parker has a very like i said compassionate response and it it's really just so perfect for Bashalo art because the way he draws Sandman specifically is incredible. Uh, the combination of his physiology and Bashalo's just natural way of doing things, how it's kind of a little warped and a little weird um, and kind of uh, uh, a little cartoony. The, the colors are a very specific hue uh, and uh, we get kind of little flashes of 
of classic Spidey um, and Sandman fights. Uh, I love the way Ditko drew like Sandman's arm going up and then the sand coming down mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it always was so cool. To yeah, me. yeah, it, it it is just it's really awesome. And the way that Chris Pachalo kind of transitions that from the past to the present is so gorgeous. I mean, this is a really, really kind of emotional, personal, beautiful book altogether. I can't wait for issue three hundred nine. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, this is going to be a great last three issues for Chips Run. This issue was not at all was I, what I was expecting. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, all right. Another Spidey book out this week. We have Spidey Schools Out, number six. This is the final issue of the limited series written by John Barber, art by Todd Nock and Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Jimmy Betancourt. This is just a super fun, cute story. There's a very Scooby-Doo ending. Does that make sense to people nowadays? Do people know what Scooby-Doo... I know you're going to be fine. You you have an old soul, Tucker. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, this is just a Spidey book you give to someone who loves the movies and that tone and that kind of story, they're going to dig the crap out of this. So good. On to Star Wars, Beckett, number one, featuring Tucker's best friend, Beckett, as played by Woody Harrelson in the films. Oh, yeah. uh, this is uh, written by Jerry Duggan and sort of divided into three parts with three different artists, Edgar Salazar on one, Mark Laming on another, and then Will Sliney with Jordan Boyd on the third part. But it's cool. It's The titles for them are The Man in Black, To Live and Die on Hoven 4, mm. and You and the Bantha You Rode In On, <laughs> which is, you know, they're, they're fun. It's... Uh, this is just a book about scoundrels being scoundrels. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that Jerry is also having a blast writing Rio, the four-armed sort of <laughs> wiseacre character who's yeah. part of their, their crew. There's a scene where they're about to be eaten by this crazy tentacle beast and Rio's mixing drinks and blasting away at the same time. And he says, I got four arms, but only two guns. What else am I going to do? With, you know, <laughs> What else is he going to do with those two arms that are just out there? It's a lot of fun. Another Star Wars book on the way this week is Star Wars Poe Dameron, number 30. This is The Awakening, part five, and it's written by Charles Soule with art by Angel Unzueta, colors by Arif Prianto, and letters by Joe Caramagna. I love Poe Dameron as a series so much because it is insanely versatile, unlike almost any other book that I can think of, because It can serve as a book that tells the story of the Skywalker saga. It touches on that. It tells uh, the solo adventures of Poe Dameron. And it also can serve as a team book for Black Squadron. It is so much all wrapped into one, all organically told. Uh, it, It kind of moves and morphs between those things so, so beautifully. This is a Black Squadron story. This essentially tells the tale of what happened to Black Squadron during the events of the Battle of Crait, uh, which we uh, saw, of course, during the Last Jedi film. And it's really, really interesting. This feels like the start of a story. It's part five of the arc, but it feels like something completely new that we're being uh, thrown into because things go terribly, terribly wrong for Black Squadron. We're finding out at the same time that Poe is kind of helpless. And there's a real fondness, I think, in how both we see these members of Black Squadron because there's such a great camaraderie there, because there's such a great kind of unique kind of family vibe that has been um, cultivated there and things go terribly wrong in a big way for some beloved characters. It's really, really cool. It feels like the moment when the gauntlet is thrown and the adventure is uh, brewing and it'll be really fun to see how these characters work their way out of it. I hope they do. Yeah. It's a white knuckle 
ride the, this issue is, is wild. And I was, I was thinking about in the Cable Deadpool annual, they talk about comics and how it's different from film. And in, in comics, is you're telling these these snapshots as opposed to the motion, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And in, one of the things that I love about this team working on this book, Charles and Angel and, and Arif, is that they do such a great job at taking precise detailed snapshots again snapshots of things you really get this perfect sense of that moment frozen in time mm-hmm. you can pour over each of those panels for the tiniest of things uh, and I think it's a really interesting skill sometimes we talk about oh that, that feels so animated so kinetic that you could feel it moving and this it, it's not that and it works because it's not that yeah. and it works so well uh, Thor number four is the next book on the list and it is my second pick of the week, and Jiminy Crickets, this is the most metal book in the world. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, Thor, he rallies the valiant and demonic dead to battle Cinder, her fire minions, and some really sinister dead. At one point, he's covered in burning lava, and the captions say, and for a brief dark moment, I am Thor, king of hell, the blood-drenched god of the death storm. The winds roar with a blizzard of bone. And I just, I want Ronnie James Dio to come down from heaven uh, (laughs) where he is now and just sing songs of this book from the pages of Valhalla. Uh It is Everything I want right now is so good. It is written by Jason Aaron, art by Mike Del Mundo with color assist by Marco Delfonso and uh, lettering and production by Joe Sabino. Oh, man. I can't get enough of this book. The the crazy thing about this is this is not the full-on War of the Realms epic. This is, as Thor points out, this is just a battle. This is not the war. Mm-hmm. Um but it feels as big as any war, as any event, any epic story that we have right now. Uh, in the midst of all the blood and the fire and the smiting, there's supposed to be a wedding happening, uh, uh, which leads to some truly funny moments in here. There's uh, those with Thanos and what his presence means in this book, which was not at all what I was expecting. There's a guest who shows up to the wedding late. It's just this one panel gag that just cracked me up. Um, I think this may be my current favorite series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unbelievable art, top to bottom, the colors so crazy. Uh, you know, just the tapestries, really, of what is going on when Thor is like he's got this rallying cry and he's he's got Valkyries above him. He's got demonic, you know, undead below him, and he's going. He's got hammer, lightning coming from his eyes. It just looks so incredible. Uh, and the next issue is King Thor versus Wolverine Phoenix. I, it's just impossibly good comic books. Yeah. Next up is Tony Stark Iron Man number three. And it's written by Dan Slott with art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Edgar Delgado with Rochelle Rosenberry, and letters by Travis Lanham. This is a really fun concept book because Dan Slott is capturing the uh, the spirit of Tony Stark kind of via the medium, via the, the way he's telling this story, because you get this kind of really fun, even all the way from the credits page where it says, uh, you know, it introduces the book by saying Stark Unlimited wants you to join Project Escape or Escape. And it kind of lays it out for you. And it, and it essentially is like like a menu, like a computer menu. And you're selecting, heck yes, I want to I play. And it says, by selecting heck yes, I release Stark Unlimited from 
all liability and assume all risks associated with beta test complications, which will be totally worth it anyway, because the Escape is unbelievably cool. And uh, you get this point of view kind of AI story in here that is mixed with uh, the real life kind of parallel story that's going on with Tony and Jacosta and the other uh, members of the team and the company. But the uh, the great escape is what it's called. It's um, this point of view adventure that you're kind of thrown into. It is insane, technicolor, weird, wild, awesome. I mean, the, the art team here is like working overtime. It is crazy. There's some like crazy time stream wildness than wild west stuff it it is all the way through really really insane i also want to say while all of that is happening we're getting more uh jocasta character work and you've said it before she's an incredible new character she's um, not that that's the crazy thing she's not new it's just we don't see her enough right and she's you know she's got such history she's probably my favorite character in the book yeah. even more than tony stark yeah, and yeah. I, like i love her so much i want this to like create a potential solo push for her yeah the way Dan writes her is so good. Yeah, yeah. It's this it's this new emphasis that works so incredibly well and it is like always just strangely emotional and really, really beautiful told all throughout this fun Tony Starkian story all the way through. I also want to say uh incredible cover here by Alexander Lozano just really captures the spirit of what you open up in the entire book. And it's just such such a fun ride. Heck, yeah. Also a fun ride is Weapon H, number six, out this week. Written by Greg Pak. Art by Ario Ananditi with colors by Maury Hollowell. Letters by Joe Caramagna with Clayton Cowles. And I also, I want to give a shout out to Philip Tan and uh, Romulo Fajardo Jr. Uh, because this cover, whew, look at this, Tucker. Look at it. Look yeah. at it. Oh, my gosh. It, you see Weapon H slamming down in the way they draw, like, just the force is so bright and Cap's face and Weapon H's face. But one of the things I very much like about this book is how it takes new angles with classic comic book tropes. You got big villain twists the heroes into cleaning up his own mess. Well, the heroes just show him how to fix it without violence and they walk away. Captain America shows up and we nearly get a hero and hero fight, but it's saved by the hero's wife mm -hmm. who's like, you're a dummy. You're a dummy. Stop being dumb. Work together. It's really funny. We get this brood human hybrid as our comedy relief. A giant corporation and its leader who is also a minotaur is a big villain. It is just a blast. It's somehow uh, so funny, so action-packed. Uh, it's, it's a really, really great book. Hope you're reading it. Weapon H moving on now to Weapon X. This is issue number 22. And it's the start of a new arc. This is Weapon X-Force. It's written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lenti, with art by Yildare Sinar, colors by Frank D'Armada, and letters by Joe Caramagna. I mean, I was so excited to see Mystique show up in this series, and I love seeing her continue through this issue because she's just a very specific character for me and, and, and has such a unique and measured really measured way of doing things because you're always you always have the suspicion of her and you always know that her machinations are incredibly deliberate if quiet you know that the uh, potential ramifications are huge with anything that she's doing so it's really cool to see her brought into the fold in this story all the way throughout and this story gets very as it says in the title it gets very x-forcey 
um, which is so much fun, uh, especially as we reach towards the last pages. Um, and yeah, I mean, the ex forciest of characters joins the fray. Yeah. If you had a, uh, like an 80s action comedy, but it was about, you know, like a rogue team of X-Men mostly kind of villains. Mm-hmm. Like that's what this is. It's really funny. Yeah. It is violent as all get out. It is wacky. Uh, Sabretooth is tremendous. The way Greg and Fred write him is so good. Two names that Sabretooth mentions in this issue are Smurfy McElfskin and Dick Steele. And it's <laughs> just like the delivery, the look on his face when he's doing these. It's so good. Uh, I I really, really love this book. Yeah. Moving swiftly on to collections on sale this week, we have Brute Force. Brute Force. Whoa. I feel like we're going to touch on that a little bit more in a second. But other than that, we have. I mean, we can talk about it right now because it it is nutso. <laughs> uh, this is not a book I was at all expecting us to ever reprint. And when I saw it on somebody's desk, I was like, wait a minute. I got to talk about it. It's out this week. Yeah. It's got Reckless the Bear, Soar the Eagle, Surf Streak the Dolphin, Hip Hop the Kangaroo, and Lionheart the Lion. Nice. Uh, they're cybernetically enhanced protectors of the environment. Brute force! Uh, their rivals were named Heavy Metal. It is kind of infamous, and it is so much fun. And not just the Brute Force collection is in this. The first issue of Power Pachyderms is in here. Do you know anything about Power Pachyderms? No. Uh, well, you should. Look at them. Look at them. Oh, They're man. They're amazing. Uh, and the best part is it says in here that the alternate title for Power Pachyderms, it based on a, uh, a house ad before they were published, was Adult Thermonuclear Samurai Elephants. <laughs> this, is this like 1980s? 1990. 1990. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That, it is some awesomely weird stuff. The first <laughs> villains you see are clowns with machine guns <laughs> and hip hop the kangaroo. There's a one part where, uh, what's his name? Uh, Reckless is like petting a baby bear. He's like, I'm done. You go away. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's so wild. Uh, really weird and cool stuff. I'm I, so I, got, I want to dig into that. Other than that, other collections we have this week are Defenders Epic Collection, The New Defenders, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 5 in hardcover, Marvel Masterworks, The Incredible Hulk Volume 12 in hardcover, Old Man Hawkeye Volume 1, An Eye for an Eye, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man Volume 3, Amazing Fantasy, The Human Torch and the Thing, Strange Tales, The Complete Collection, The Thing and the Human Torch by Dan Slott, and X-Men Adventures Digest. On the Marvel app this week, uh, the single issues for Brute Force and Power Pachyderms are in there as well as other issues. On the digital side, there's the uh, classic Marvel graphic novel, Cloak and Dagger, Predator and Prey. There's a What If collection, Trouble by Mark Miller is in there. Uh, And then Marvel Unlimited, we've added some Daredevil books that we were missing. Not a ton, but enough to keep getting us, you know, down, down. Uh, Infinity Countdown, Adam Warlock. So if you are not fully up on your Infinity stuff, that's something to check out. There's a bunch of old books that we're just adding all the time, like some random Punishers, Solo Avengers, Spider-Man, Silver Surfer. So always adding new stuff to Marvel Unlimited. It is terrific. Uh, Yeah. Again, Brute Force is wow. out this week. Wow. Save your $24.99, <laughs> pick up your copy, and then tell me how much you love it because you're going to love it. Like Dolphin Man. Dolphin uh, fighting Dolphin Man. Surf Streak the Dolphin, you, you dingus. <laughs> it's so good. Look, Heavy Metal is over here. Wow. Yeah. And heavy Metal's got an octopus and a rhino. 
<laughs> I also love the title because it's kind of like it's not like animal fighting hero. That's not the name. It's just brute force. Brute force. <laughs> <sighs> so good. On that note, we'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe. Brute force. <laughs> <laughs>